This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Today on Inside Supercars, we speak to the man who was known as Lethal. Lee Holsworth joins us and talks us through his career. But looking back on those days, it's just the, I think probably the best best times of my career. It wasn't always ups for Lethal Lee. Yeah, the rug's been pulled out a few times. <laughs> we look at his preparations for the Adelaide 500 return and let's take a few walks down memory lane with Lethal Lee here on Inside Supercars. And it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, as we're joined by a man who'll be making his last stand. And in fact, I came up with this one. Lee Holsworth, tell me what you think. Sunday is Lethal Lee's last launch. <laughs> yeah, it's got, a, it's got a little bit of a ring to it, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly some alliteration there. But in all seriousness, how have you been going? You're in Adelaide now, done the track walk and... Uh, getting baked like it was, you know, far north Queensland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been, I've been told that if it was a week earlier, it would have been pretty, pretty terrible here. They were wearing gum boots last week. So it's nice to have a change for the better. Um, it is going to be extremely hot and this track doesn't matter what sort of temperatures it is outside. It's always hot in the car. Um, yeah, you're working hard around here. It's in the concrete jungle, just like Gold Coast. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's good to be over here again. Obviously, it's we've had a couple of years break from the Adelaide 500, and being able to come back here and finish the season is just mega um, at this at this circuit. And um, yeah, like I said, it's one of the most challenging circuits you can come to. And so to finish off uh, on that note, when you know, especially on Sunday when it's uh, muck up day, um, there's going to be plenty of action for the fans to see and. I believe we're going to have a huge fan base here as well. So, you know, it's end of an era for the current generation car, for the Holden. Um, you know, oh, this is my last round, so it's a pretty important one for me. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to set myself up for a really solid weekend, one one that I can really remember for the, you know, for good. Having walked around the track, it obviously brings back memories, but what have you noticed about the resurfacing and then everything around because I know a lot of drivers use fixed points just outside the track for braking markers. And my understanding is not everything's been put back in the same place. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there were there were certain scuff marks or lines that were on the track before that are not there now uh, that you would use for breaking points or, um, or or turn-in references, all those sort of things. So it changes it quite a bit, at least for your first session. Um, but the track itself, the surface looks amazing. It's very smooth. Um, I, I believe it's going to be very fast. And um, I think they've done a, a great job, especially in the time frame that they've had since the announcement of this round going ahead earlier in this year, um, to, to have it looking so spick and span and, um, you know, they're still frantically trying to get this place ready, I think. But um, uh, it's looking brilliant. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I just can't wait to get out on the track. It's been too long since, since we were here last, but I think the grip that we're going to have is going to be pretty crazy. I think, you know, we're, we're, we're probably going to experience different balance um, to what we had here last year or last time we were here. Um, generally, when you resurface a track, it's always loose. You know, the car's always loose on entry and you've got to tame down the car uh, all week, all weekend to a point where you can actually attack the entry without losing the rear. So I think that first session is going to be a real test for everyone. Um, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. So, um, yeah, we, it's an early start for us. We get on track on tomorrow afternoon on a Thursday. We only do that twice a year, get on track on a Thursday or oh, actually Grand Prix as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be great. Can't wait. When we do consider uh, Adelaide coming back, it was 2020's first round. You all went to the Grand Prix, which then got cancelled. Really, for a lot of the fans, it's not like the race was cancelled and resurrected. It was just on a COVID break. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, yeah, I guess. But, it would, yeah, we were all pretty bitterly disappointed when we were told that it potentially won't happen again um, at the time and, it was great that um, that the premier was able to bring it back in, or he got voted back in, and he he stuck to his promise of bringing the Adelaide 500 back. So, you know, the fans are right behind it. Us drivers, our sport, we need this round, and um, I think we're all pretty stoked to see it back. Mm. Well, talking about yourself and your racing career, you started in the in the big cars, if you like, in the Commodore Cup in 2002. And come 2022, you're stepping in, well, 23, you'll step into a co-driver role once again. But in that time, you've had a consistency of racing in championships. How do you look at ending that phase of your life? Uh, look, it's it's difficult to, you know, obviously I want to finish on a high, but it's been so many years of, of racing and doing the one thing that I know, and, and this is what I've been where I am right now is where I've wanted to be my whole, basically my whole life since I can remember. I think, you know, five years old, I was saying I wanted to be a racing car driver and it never changed. I never had another focus. Um, I sacrificed a lot to, to stay on that path and, um, you know, race every, every week or every second weekend since, since that age. And um, I've just loved it and, and been really, appreciative of and, and fortunate to be able to do that and live my dream. And now, you know, it's come to a point where I think it's probably someone else's chance to, to do that. Um, given that I've got other opportunities outside of racing to make another career and, and you know, what I, what I really wanted to do and my aim was always to come back and finish on my own terms. And last year sitting on the sidelines 
I just didn't feel like it was finished for me. So to get that opportunity to come back with Penrite Racing, asked back by the Groves, um, was just so cool, especially after ticking such a huge box in that Bathurst win um, with Chaz. Um, that was that was mega. So this year I've just really enjoyed being back on the calendar full time, um, and and always had that 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 sight or vision that the end of this year was going to be when I call it time in my supercars career, and and I can step back for 2023 and and the years beyond, and hopefully have a another great shot of winning Bathurst again, um, and and maybe the Sandown 500. You know, if I can come back and have two opportunities to win a race um, and and have a career outside of motorsport as well and and be able to give a lot more time back to my family and be there for the kids' sporting matches, all that sort of stuff, um, I think I'm I'm pretty lucky. I'm very, very lucky the, the way that it's all panned out and, and the career that I've had. When you think back to joining the Conica Series, first of all, and then running at Bathurst in 2004, it was, with Robert Smith Racing. What are your memories of those times? I just remember how much I wanted it. You know, I would have done anything to make a career of motorsport. And just every day of my life, I was doing something to make sure I got there. And I didn't have, I knew that I didn't have the financial backing to actually you know, find my way in easily. Um, so I had to knock on doors and, you know, volunteer in race teams and all that sort of stuff, sweeping floors, doing tire pressures, all that sort of stuff. Um, I, I didn't care what I did as long as it meant I was in, I had my bum in a, in a race car. Um, and the guys I had around me back then, Ryan McLeod, Robert Smith, Paul Morris was helping, um, Alan Gurr, my teammate, um, we had just, I just had great people around me and, um, and it really, I feel like that shaped, uh, my path into supercars and, you know, obviously ended up getting the opportunity with Gary Rogers motorsport, which is another, another person that really, you know, without him, I don't think it would have gone any further. There's always someone that, that makes that next step what it is. And if, if there wasn't that person each time, um, I, I just don't know whether there would have been someone else that, um, you know, that picked me up at that point. So uh, I suppose putting myself in the in the right place at the right time was, was huge to me. And um, obviously, I'd, you know, I was able to do that and, and end up where I am. So um, looking back on that time, it was just a, a really uh, amazing part of my career, which really, you know, without without those few years where I pushed so hard and, Look for every opportunity. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have ever got there. You had seven years with Gary, and and you are one of Gary's favourite drivers that he had drive for him over the journey, and finished with best results in the championship, seventh and eighth. So that was that was strong performances through those years. Yeah, they were, and it was fun times to you know to to get into supercars full time was just it sort of blew my mind. I, I, I had this, I had this goal to actually become a supercar driver. And then once I became a supercar driver, it was sort of a bit surreal because I was racing against, like when I started, I was up against, you know, John Bauer, Craig Lowndes, Mark Scaife, um, Ambrose had just left. 
uh, Stephen Richards, all these really high-profile names, Greg Murphy, I can't even, you know, begin to name the rest, but they were all big names. And um, and to be in amongst that crowd was just unbelievable. Um, you know, there was also Russell Ingle and, you know, guys that, that I really looked up to. And, um, and then to get results only, you know, probably six months into the first year, I started getting some results and that was, that blew my mind. Um, and I sort of felt like I was in a bit of a dreamland for a while until the second year when I actually came out and won Oran Park. Uh, and that's where I saw, that's where I thought, okay, this is, you know, I, I belong here now and, um, and sort of stamped my authority in the category category and, really repaid Gary back something at that time as well for his faith in me. But we, we had such a fun team in those days at GRM. You know, got on well with everyone. I had, um, you know, Dean Canto was my teammate in the first couple of years. We had a good time. Then Michael Caruso came in. We obviously ended up being very good friends. Um, so we had such a cool time. We were pushing each other. Uh, we'd go out on a Sunday night and, and have fun as well. So, um, we we're always hanging together as a team. And that was, I, th- I think that contributed so much to the success I had at GRM. And, uh, yeah, it gets to a point there. I was, I was eighth, seventh, then eighth in the championship. I think I had a 10th there at one stage as well before that. Um, I, I just didn't feel like I was, I was getting, uh, you know, you get to a point where you want more and more and more. And if we didn't, we wouldn't be race drivers. Um, so at the end of my time GRM, um, as much as I hated leaving, I wanted more. So I had to try my, try my hand somewhere else. And, um, but looking back on those days is just the, I think probably the best, best times of my career. And as you said, it was always sort of living the dream. You guys were young, having a lot of fun and the, the whole atmosphere was you were there or thereabouts and you could still enjoy it. Yeah, every every weekend, at least at least when we went to a street circuit, I knew it was going to be a strong weekend and a chance to get podiums or you know maybe even jag a race win or a pole. And um, and that was exciting. You know, there were other rounds where we knew we were going to struggle, um, but you'd always bounce back with a, a good result. You know, the next round. So. Um, we had good cars and, uh, and they were fun to drive. Um, back then also, you know, that, that car of that generation was quite cool to drive as well. They were hard. It was hot. Um, it was really physically demanding. And I think you saw even, you know, it, it didn't matter what team you're in, the best drivers were, were towards the front somewhere. Um, whereas I feel like now it's a, it's a little bit more, you know, team related uh, as to where you are in the field. Um, so, and I, but I actually think the Gen 3 will bring a bit of that back, which would be cool. So, um, yeah, I think there were so many reasons to, to feel that that was such a cool time in the sport. And, um, and yeah, well, just, just living the dream, enjoying every moment and, and really, you know, you, as you get through your career, it becomes a bit more of a job because you're not achieving your, your expectations keep going up and up and up. And, and once you stop meeting those expectations, it becomes a bit more of a job and a bit more frustrating. Um, and, and that's when it stops being so like, you know, living your dream. Um, 
it becomes more a reality where you need to get the results. The pressure starts building because, you know, you put the expectations on yourself, you put pressure on yourself, plus there's more pressure coming from the team, the sponsors and everything like that. So um, I think the, the start of your career is always the, the best time. You went to Stone Brothers Racing, as you said. You moved from Gary and went to Stone Brothers. Of course, that morphed to Erebus. But in that first year with Stone Brothers, you got another eighth in the championship. So you were still in and about the right end of the field there. Yeah, yeah. It was it was cool to, to go to a team that had won championships in the past. And, you know, they were, they were a very strong team, Stone Brothers Racing. And I had you know, strong teammates as well and Van Gisberg and Anne Slade. Um, and we all finished in the top 10 the first year I was there. Uh, I was, you know, felt like I was building on something there. We had, I had a three-year contract. Um, and as you said, after the first 12 months, that morphed into Erebus Motorsport. And then we went to the, the new car, um, the Mercedes. Um, and, uh, and, and that's when a new development phase came along. And, um, really, uh, hurt my progression a little bit with, with, um, with my career. Um, but I, you know, as much as it did, I still enjoyed that part of my career and got a race win for, you know, first Mercedes in, in the sport. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it, it, I just felt like, you know, I signed with that team to, to have a three year plan to then try to push for the championship in my second and third year, which I feel like, you know, I, I've, I feel like it was probably a realistic thing to think back then, um, but obviously things changed and uh, yeah, that, that took a hit on my, my result. And you are a Queensland boy originally. Was there a go-home factor? We hear about football players and the go-home factor. Was that part of your thinking going up there? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I've never, I've never prioritised um, where... I live to, you know, determine which race team I go to. It was always, I just wanted to give myself the best opportunity to get the result. And, um, and, and if that mean moving to Melbourne or moving to Brisbane or Gold Coast or whatever, it was, um, it, you know, that's what I did. So, uh, I would have moved to, you know, Japan if I had to, <laughs> um, I was, I was prepared to go anywhere to get the, to get the car and the team that I wanted to, you know, that I felt that would provide me with the right opportunities. Mm. Then you went to Charlie at Team 18. How was that experience? Because that was building a team around you. Um, yeah, that was, you know, I think at the end of um, my time at Erebus, I just felt like we weren't getting anywhere anymore with the with the Mercedes, um, probably more so the engine. Um and that was frustrating, and it, it, you know, it was looking like we were going to have a fair change for the following year with manufacturer, um, but that didn't eventuate. So, um, you know, my plan was to stay there and, and keep building, but uh, but once that those plans fell out for the team, um, I, I felt it was time to to jump and um, and try to find another opportunity and it was very late in the year when I was told that those plans had changed for the team um so you know there, there wasn't many opportunities around but unfortunately um, you know Charlie had had a seat um vacant and uh and he was at FPR at the time um and it was sort of it was probably 
felt like it was a great opportunity to jump back into a team that was, you know, a front-running team. But, of course, the rug got pulled out from under you and he went it alone. Yeah, the rug's been pulled out a few times. <laughs> yeah, so I signed with, uh, with, with Charlie and, and, and come the Christmas break, I'm, I'm not too sure what ended up happening between Charlie and FBR, but um, Charlie, uh, Charlie pulled his licence from FBR and decided to run with Walkinshaw for the following, following year. So um, off we went to Walkinshaw for 2015 and as a customer car. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a struggle. I think that whole team was probably struggling throughout that period. And, uh, and and finished up 14th in the championship, was which was pretty disappointing. And um, and just felt, yeah, I think, you know, Charlie had ambitions to then run his own team. So um, I was pretty keen on that to, you know, to start a new phase of, of development and also, uh, you know, the, the, the chance to jump into a, a triple eight spec car. Um which we did for 2016 when, when Charlie started Team 18. You eventually got to Tickford, and uh, that was probably three name changes later for them. <laughs> yeah, eventually I got back there. Uh, at the end of 2018, when I was still with Charlie, we had some good times. Um, I got on well with Charlie. We, we, we enjoyed that time together until probably 2018 when things you know, really didn't go too well with that 2018 car. Um, it was a very difficult car. And uh, so at the end of that year, I felt that my last round had come at, um, at Newcastle. Um, but throughout the break, uh, I, I got a call from Tickford to, um, to come back and race for them for the, for the following season in 2019. So uh, it was a good Christmas present um, over that Chrissy break um, and, uh, and got to go back to you know, one of the one of the best teams in the comp, mm. and a tenth and eleventh in those two years. So again, the rug got pulled out from under you in twenty twenty one, but that was solid performances both those years. Yeah, they they were felt like we were we were really yeah. You can't just expect that you're going to get good results in the first year, but um, things started coming together in at the end of two thousand nineteen. I uh, and, and finished tenth in the championship, which meant that. My contract extended for another couple of years. Going into 2020, we had some, you know, had some good performances, got some trophies, and then you know got the provisional pole at Bathurst. And then after that, the rug slipped out again, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I went into the Christmas break without a drive for the following year. So um, that was probably the lowest moment of my career where you know I felt that. Uh, um, I felt felt pretty hard done by, um, and uh, and I certainly, um, yeah, I didn't have plans for the following year. I, I was committed to going another year with with Tickford um, and seeing out my contract, and uh, we were starting to get some some good momentum. I was working well with with my teammates, um, and uh, yeah, so ended up having to sit on the sidelines um, for 2020 and. Unfortunately, it was it was the year of COVID, um, still, and uh, and well, sorry, twenty one, um, and yeah, had to look for opportunities which were very hard to come by in that period, as as it was for most people. Um, so did a little bit of TCR racing, and uh, obviously 
went went and raced with Chaz at Bathurst. Your TCR career, first four races on the podium, winning your first, second, and a couple of thirds, it, it was obviously a different experience for you, but you were putting runs on the board there immediately. Yeah, uh, I sort of, oh, it was such a strange thing going to a front-wheel drive car because I've never in my whole career before raced in a front-wheel drive car. Um, so um, the way that they handle is very different to the way a, a rear-wheel drive car handles and the way that you extract speed is completely different. You know, there's this crossover of brake and throttle that you need to manage on entry. Uh, yeah, but seemed to, you know, I, I enjoyed having to learn a new craft and, yeah, came out swinging at the first round and we got picked up a pole and a race win and, um, and a second and, yeah, a couple of more podiums after that. But then um, the BOP hurt us after that where we got knocked back a fair bit. Um, so the rest of the rest of the year was uh, we, we were hindered by mechanical issues and, um, and and probably just being a little bit off with the balance of performance in mm-hmm. that car. So um, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy that year, but um, yeah, it had its frustrations as well. It did indeed, but it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. You did stand on the top step with Chaz, and obviously these front wheel cars are good grounding for getting yourself ready for Bathurst. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, you know, I thought. Well, I, I do think that when you've been driving these cars in supercar for so long, yeah, it, it, it's a bit like jumping back on a bike. I think when you get back to Bathurst, especially that track itself, you you don't forget how to how to drive that track in one year, um, and you don't forget how to drive a supercar in one year. So getting back to Bathurst, um, I don't know. I even testing all year with Chaz. His car just suited me, and um, and we drove the same. We wanted the same thing from the car. It was just such a breath of fresh air um, to be in a car that I could drive the way I wanted to drive, and uh, and, and that obviously showed come Bathurst where we, we rolled out of the truck. Obviously, we had a super quick car, and um, we basically – you know, from, from word go, we were super strong and, and, you know, I suppose you could say dominated the, the week um, in the lead-up. And then, you know, even with the tyre failure in the race, we bounced back and were able to win that race, which was just incredible and an absolute career highlight. So talk about your final year with Grove now. What's that experience like? You've, you've raced a triple eight car when you were with Team 18, but you have now a triple eight team manager in Couchy. How has that experience of what's been built there um, helped you and shaped your thoughts? Uh, I, I think in, in a lot of ways I, I've, I've come here to, to help the team rather than them help me, um, you know, because I, I came in knowing I was – basically a seat warmer for, um, for Matt Payne. Um, I was here to, to help the team in the team's championship um, and, you know, stay out of trouble as much as I can and not get as many extra work. Um, but also, you know, I had my own goals as well, which was to hopefully, you know, try to finish in the top 10 um, and, and build, help build the team with Dave to, to where they want to be or, or at least some of the way to where they want it to be. And, uh, and, and working with guys like Couchy and, you know, Ellis McLean, um, also Shippy's just come in now. 
um, you know, working with, with Reynolds as well. They're, they're just, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're high level workers. I don't know, you know, they're, they're, they come from a high standard and, um, and they're very, they're, they're, they're good at what they do. And to work with those guys has been good fun. And, um, I've really enjoyed being a part of that and, and helping them get to where they want to be. Um, but what I can say is since I started with this team, it's come so far. Um, it's, it's nearly hard to imagine how it was when I first started here. Um, you know, the, the level of professionalism, the, the systems, the, um, the software, ev- everything they've put into this, the, the, you know, the presentation is probably the biggest thing. Um, they've just come so far. And obviously the Groves are tipping in a lot of money to get it to where it needs to be and um, to get it to this point. Um, we've got very good sponsors with Penrite, all the rest of them. Um, so it's been cool to watch it and and be along for the journey and, and help them, you know, in, in a small way to get to this point. And, um, and I'll walk away pretty proud that, you know, I have been a part of that building process, um, as I have with a lot of teams in the past. I suppose that you know that's one reason they probably they probably wanted to have me in the team is because I've been in been with teams through development phases, um, and and I'll leave this team knowing that they will keep they will keep building, um, and they just keep getting more and more you know uh, credible, highly credible workers. And they'll just continue to do that before um, until they're actually you know, winning championships, winning races, um, and uh, yeah, I have no doubt they'll they'll be there one day, yeah, in the near future. Well, Lee, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you as you're preparing for your last launch at. Adelaide and uh, looking forward to seeing you over the weekend and hope you do get to have that you know that first year of racing again enjoyment out of particularly this weekend yeah thanks very much Craig I'm looking forward to getting out on track and giving it a crack I think I might drop a burnout at the end too (laughs) win or lose we might have to uh, get the box scores out for the quality of it too (laughs) righto deal <laughs> Lee, thanks very much for your time here on Inside Supercars. Thanks, mate. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. Would have paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.